Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And welcome back to the Pass Gas Podcast. I'm your host, I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Sykes. And Nolan is joined today by me, James Pumphrey, and Joe Weber. Hey, yeah, that's me. Oh, my God. The crowd is just so good tonight. Oh, wow. Is that a crowd or a cappuccino machine? <laughs> <laughs> Making lattes for everybody. <laughs> today, we are covering the Volkswagen Beetle. You know, Beetle. Volkswagen Beetles, their owners have a saying, okay? We didn't choose our cars. Our cars chose us. That's what every Volkswagen Beetle I've ever met has said. Despite its storied past, transforming from a fascist fugitive to a counterculture icon, the Beetle was able to prove that an idea created in darkness can indeed become a vessel for light. Fast Gas Podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that, so thank you. All right, now for the show. In this three-part series, guys, we're going to take a closer look into the origins of one of the most famous cars ever created. And to get the full story, we have to go pretty far back. Okay, I just want to get this out there. Okay. The the episode of Up to Speed on the Volkswagen Beetle is our only demonetized video on Donut. We mm-hmm. have about 500 videos on our YouTube channel, and the only one that YouTube deemed inappropriate and decided to not let us make any money on is the Volkswagen Beetle episode. And that is because it has a very dark mm-hmm. origin. Yeah. It was made by some very bad guys. The Nazis. The Nazis. Some of the worst, if not the worst guys ever. Ever. So in this episode, you can't tell the history of this car without mentioning the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, We're not saying anything about Volkswagen owners. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. That 
just because you like Volkswagens doesn't mean you're a Nazi. I own Volkswagens. I hate Nazis, straight up. But we're going to be talking about Nazis a whole lot. So anyway, in 1875, famed engineer Ferdinand Porsche was born in a small bohemian village called Maffersdorf in Austria. Around the age of 13, Porsche began conducting electrical experiments in his garage. Electricity is a shockingly modern invention. Yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, keep in mind, basically everything we know and love about life today was invented within the past 100 years. So at the time, people had literally no idea what the heck Porsche was doing with his dang electricity. Understanding how a 13-year-old boy could be controlling invisible forces was simply impossible. So some people believed that Ferdinand Porsche was actually possessed. Whoa. <laughs> What's that little boy doing with his <laughs> How wide does his hair stand up on ends like that? In reality, he was just a teenager who was fascinated by electricity and the chemical process that allowed batteries to function. How nerdy was this guy? Not that I'm putting down engineering nerds. Love you guys. Our, one of our um, Mitch... Our, uh, one of our grips that we use a lot for bumper-to-bumper, -bumper, sets up all of our lights, makes sure the show looks pretty. His son is eight years old, and uh, he knows, he, like, Mitch bought a 3D printer. Whoa. Um, the kid knows how to use, like, CAD software. Wow. Um, he's got, like, a terrarium in his room. Wow. And there's one more thing. Kids now are so much smarter. So smart. Than us. Yeah. I'm dumb. It's insane. <laughs> I when I was that kid's age, not that old, but a little younger, probably mm -hmm. five. I was peeing in my trash can in my room <laughs> because I thought it's the trash. Yeah, you and throw that's it out. You, yeah, yeah, that's where you put the stuff you don't want. And I was peeing in my trash can, and my sister walked by my room and was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "You don't do this." I thought everyone does this. <laughs> Did you empty it as well? Mm -mm. No, just, had, just, just had the pee in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like peed in the room. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do is go out uh, to the backyard and put dirt on my face. And pretend I was a caveman. <laughs> uh, Ferdinand's father, he wasn't thrilled with the idea of his son being an inventor, an inventor, but that didn't matter for young Ferdinand. To avoid upsetting his father, he just did his experiments in secret. I think we can all relate to that, right? Why is that electric? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the clandestine tinkering would pay off in a big way. In 1902, Porsche designed the first ever functional hybrid electric automobile at the age of 27. You know what I did when I was 27? I'd like to hear it. Got a one-line guest star role on Two Broke Girls. Take that, Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. Eat it. <laughs> Nolan's about to turn 27. Yeah. 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 yeah, Nolan at 27 is playing the comedy store. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, by the time this episode came out, comes you out. You will have already, already done it. Done it. So we're after, by the time this episode comes out, Nolan is on a meteoric rise <laughs> to fame. Yeah, he's actually opening up for Beach House at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ferdinand Porsche was already finding success in designing his first car. Things were going a little differently for one Adolf Hitler. Just a year later, in 1903, Adolf's father had died and he was forced to drop out of high school at the age of 14. A few years later, he served in World War I where he was wounded in a gas attack leading to the creation of his infamous mustache so he could properly fit a gas mask over his facial hair. Using his service in World War I, he snuck into Germany, because he was an Austrian, and received German citizenship. 
Only a short while later, in 1932, propaganda posters filled the streets, which led Hitler our last hope as he began his rise to power. I didn't know that was why he has that stupid mustache. As fate would have it, Hitler was rising through the political ranks at the same time Porsche was leaving Austria for his first job in Germany. They would cross paths soon. Everyone recognized the need for an affordable car for the masses. The Model T was notably the first people's car, but technology had totally eclipsed the Model T by the 1930s. Many car companies had tried to use a strategy called the same but smaller when attempting to make cars affordable for normal people. The plan at the time was to literally take their current cars and just make them smaller. <laughs> I love that plan. I think they should do it for everything. <laughs> so, like, imagine Mercedes trying to come out with a half-scale version of the G-Wagon. I'd love that. Yeah, that's basically what companies were trying to do. But it was a flawed strategy as the material costs were still roughly the same as full-size cars. So European cars that were actually affordable were little more than cheap go-karts that were dangerous at any speed faster than a brisk walk. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Germany was looking for a true people's car, literally translated as Volkswagen. In 1931, one writer from Das Volks Auto basically summed up the struggle for making a people's car perfectly. Quote, The one will be too heavy and too expensive to produce. The other ill-suited in traffic and unstable in purpose. What is needed is a car designed for the street, offering a maximum of comfort, but a minimum of luxury. Ferdinand Porsche realized this as well, and at the age of 55, decided to open a business himself an attempt to accomplish such a monumental task. He assembled a team of the best German-speaking designers and engineers and opened his own company in Stuttgart, Germany. While he didn't have much capital, he was globally known as an automotive genius, so he was able to accomplish this with clout alone. Gotta have that clout. Yeah, clout is basically my number one currency. Yeah. Like, I think I can speak for everyone in this room. We wouldn't be where we are today without our clout. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for your appearance on Two Broke Girls, yeah. this channel wouldn't exist. <laughs> it does get a little annoying though, because I remember last week went to lunch and I covered you, and yeah. I was like, "Hey, can you Venmo me like thirteen dollars?" And uh -huh. you're like, "I haven't paid for a meal since 1996." <laughs> 
On April 25th, 1931, the company first entered the official registry as the Dr. Professor Porsche <laughs> Company for the Assembly, Consultation, and Design of Automobiles and Engines. We wanted to call it Dr. Pepper, but that was already <laughs> taken. <laughs> Ferdinand Porsche had made a name for himself in racing, but the creation of a people's car was always a personal passion of his. It wasn't long until Porsche began drawing up designs for the first Volkswagen. In 1931, he was commissioned by a private motorcycle company and began working on the Project 12. Motorcycle sales were going down, and this company wanted to diversify their portfolio a little bit. Project 12 was the first project ever for Porsche that was neither a small luxury wagon or a small racing car. The designs immediately took on the familiar Beetle shape, and it was powered by a five-cylinder, 1,000cc radial engine that made 25 horsepower. Radial engine like, like an airplane? Like an airplane, yeah. Whoa. Uh, the first prototypes were road tested in 1932. Despite the car's functionality, the company that hired Porsche canceled the contract as motorcycle sales had begun to pick up again, and the entire endeavor just didn't seem worth it to them anymore. <laughs> it's like they broke up with their long-term yeah. boyfriend, and Porsche was like, oh, finally, you know, we're going to get to be together, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 it's always been you, and yeah. then turns out... <laughs> Dave's back. Dave. Oh, cool. No, good for you guys. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm. <laughs> All right, so that whole thing was okay for uh, Porsche, though. Motorcycle manufacturer NSU, another company, immediately swooped in to take their place. At the time, Germany held the largest motorcycle market in the world, but people wanted cars, and NSU thought they could begin flirting with the idea of building true automobiles it's crazy that nebraska state university started out <laughs> as a motorcycle manufacturer in germany it's incredible and they're like we can make so much more money in academia <laughs> this new project was dubbed project 32 as it began in the year 1932 a pattern was beginning to form though and nsu decided to stay purely in the motorcycle market and bailed on the project the fact that nsu pulled out didn't hinder Porsche's spirits, though. He seemed like a pretty upbeat kind of guy. Project 32 had allowed him to alter and innovate his previous designs, bringing him one step closer to the future Volkswagen he had been dreaming of. In just a year and a half working for himself, he, already he had already made more progress on designing his dream people's car than he had made in the previous 10. So overall, he was pretty stoked. Meanwhile, on February 11th, 1933, less than two weeks after coming to office, Chancellor Adolf Hitler did something no other German chancellor had ever done. He attended the Berlin Auto Show. It was no accident that the theme of the show that year was the will to motorization, which, now that I read it aloud, sounds very foreboding and evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Hitler had a plan, quote, the motor vehicle has become, next to the airplane, one of humanity's most ingenious means of transportation. The German nation can be proud in knowing it has played a major part in the design and development of this great instrument. He immediately punctuated that remark by saying that Germany had fallen behind in the market, and now it was, of course, his time to fix it. It was actually at this auto show that one Joseph Gans appeared with his own prototype Volkswagen, the Standard Superior. Gans is especially unique in the story because his designs over the five years before the auto show helped influence both Ferdinand Porsche and many others with their attempted Volkswagens. 
Hitler himself expressed serious interest in the prototype vehicle during the show. Despite providing revolutionary designs that contributed to all future Volkswagen Beetles, Joseph Ganz's name is almost completely absent from any history books. Due to his Jewish heritage, Ganz was arrested, persecuted, and forced to flee the country of Germany while his name was scrubbed from basically all records and was forbidden from being associated with the term Volkswagen altogether. So, Porsche basically stole yeah. the design. At the following auto show one year later, Hitler announced two major policies that would be enacted immediately. He called for the mass construction of roads and highways, as well as for a car to be built that can finally be owned and driven by the common man. Quote, no country can be strong if its transportation is weak. To help push forward his dream of a mobilized Germany, he promised tax relief for auto companies, more money for racing, more resources for motoring events, and less interference from state governments on the ownership and production of cars. Of course, this was not just for the people's benefit, but for... Militarization? You know, yes. Mass this, is what, this is what kicked our, like the U.S.'s highway system into high gear, too. They were like, oh, shit, like, we need to get, you know, missiles across the country if we need to. An arson attack on the Reichstag allowed Hitler to make a sweeping power grab. He officially made himself Germany's Führer. He hurried changes in transportation and passed the Reich Automotive Law in the summer of 1933, removing German states of any responsibilities concerning the ownership and production of automobiles. And soon after, the construction of the first Autobahn began. So he's just like, I'm a dictator now. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out, uh, yeah, I'm king. To gain public support, the idea of national progress was tied directly to the innovation in transportation. It's hard to understand just how big the Autobahn project was, but the pure scale of road construction was unprecedented, unprecedented at the time. 4,034 miles of road was planned for construction over the next seven years. But like so many characteristics of the Nazi party, it was the idea that mattered most. The Nazis spoke of these roads as, quote, monuments. In fact, one announcement titled, Not Roads, But Works of Art, read, quote, Nothing is to cramp or delay you in your swing from one horizon to the other. The highways will sparkle like stone in an artfully wrought ring. The construction of these roads was essential for Nazis to gain the power they wanted, but they needed the public support behind it. We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. It should be obvious that the roads were really intended for an advantage during wartime, but people were too busy to really think about that part. For a while, Germany was actually looking really nice, as long as you didn't look any deeper than the surface level. Surprisingly, of all of Hitler's rhetoric, the Volkswagen was the one that car makers feared the most. They all loved the idea of mass producing a car that literally everyone would want to buy, or even better, working with the governments to enforce the necessity to buy them. After all, who doesn't love being both supply and demand? But they wanted the cars they mass produced to be cheap, like a three-wheeled covered motorcycle or something. Truly cheap. Manufacturers hated the idea of building a car just as good as the upper-level cars for the price of an entry-level car. They wanted to make money. And Hitler's Volkswagen plan left no room for people to even need to purchase high-end models. Not only did they think selling a good car so cheap was techn technologically impossible, they also feared the long-term impact of direct government involvement in the automotive market. This is the whole socialist party thing, right? Like he's trying to pretend like it's for the people, 
but it's really kind of just for the war effort. It's so people can say like, hey, look at all this great stuff mm-hmm. the government's done for us. It's yeah. just you know, currying loyalty. And it's even like a thing that I think, you know, Nazi apologists or like, you know, pretty racist uncles will say to this day. It's like, well, I mean, they built a lot of roads. Yeah. It's a big talking point. So yeah. I think, you know, it's one is to mo- like, so they, like you said, so they can move troops and missiles. And that's one, like the reason that the Nazis were so successful in those early attacks. And it's so easy to like frame that as it's going to benefit everyone. Right. Really like. It's all uh, about framing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hitler knew the benefit of the Volkswagen. In an effort to make everyone in the house want a Volkswagen, he even targeted children. Uh, He would stock toy stores with model cars to help spark an early interest in automobiles from kids, even ensuring that there's a scale model of his own private limo for them to play with. Despite his lack of formal education, Hitler believed himself to be an expert in the automotive field. He loved appropriating others' idea as his own, like Joseph Ganz's design, and rarely accepted advice, especially if the advice came from a non-Aryan person. He always said there was only one way to make a proper Volkswagen. Quote, it should look like a beetle. You only have to observe nature to learn how to achieve streamlining. Most people suspected he just read that in some sort of magazine and memorized it. Either way, the teardrop shape of the beetle was all the rage when it came to streamlining cars in the 1920s and 30s. I mean, if you look at cars of that age. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, we can't have boxes on wheels anymore. Right. It's like the sleek. And, yeah. Yeah. That looks like air flows over it. My favorite thing to do right now, no, nah, not my favorite. This is the only thing I like to do is go on Craigslist and type the maximum year as like 1950 and yeah. just find how many old cars are out there. And it's like super fun. That's fun. Yeah. I like typing random things into Craigslist. Like uh, yesterday I searched street legal. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like you don't list it as being street legal unless it's barely street yeah, legal. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. In May of 1933, Hitler promised one-third of the newly allocated 500,000 Reichmarks racing budget to Porsche. Oh, no. He had been an admirer of Porsche for a long time, closely following Porsche in racing. About a year later, Porsche and Daimler dealership owner-slash-friend of Hitler, Jaken Werlin, were invited to a private meeting with Hitler in an upscale hotel in Berlin. Hitler had caught wind of Porsche's desire to create a new kind of car accessible to everyone. He shared with Porsche his desire for a four-wheel drive, 30-brake horsepower car powered by a three-cylinder air-cooled diesel engine. There's one limitation, though, that kept the people's car from reality for years. It was the price. Hitler claimed that the average German citizen was incapable of saving more than 1,000 marks, about $2,500, at the time, so the price of the car could not exceed that value. Porsche agreed to the initial planning of the project. In the coming days, he prepared a detailed plan that incorporated every design element Hitler had asked for. The document would later be known as the Exposé. This contained the most accurate and precise rendering of Porsche's Volkswagen to that date. Porsche wrote, quote, In my opinion, a people's car does not have to be a small car with its dimensions, power output, weight, and etc. being reduced in the misdirected manner adopted for previous efforts in this area. For me, a people's car must be a full-scale, practical model that can stand comparison with any other car intended for day-to-day use. To create a people's car, I believe that a fundamental new approach has to be adopted. So that's just a long-winded say, way of saying, like, 
Let's try something new. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, w- let's think out of the bun. <laughs> <laughs> it was that fundamental new thinking outside the bun approach that would soon lead to the creation of the first Beatle prototype. And that's what we'll pick up next week in part two of the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Not much fun stuff in this one. No. There's probably a lack of jokes. Probably jokes per... Really low count. Really low. Because you don't want to make the jokes because you're bummed. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is just related to death. I think the main thing I'm learning from this podcast is everybody's horrible. I don't want to discount how horrible Hitler is, but Henry Ford is horrible. Uh, Henry Ford the second or Hank, Hank Deuce. Deuce is a horrible guy Enzo Ferrari pretty bad guy Evil Knievel Evil Knievel huge jerk Smokey Eunuch uh, problematic but goes yeah. down on his wife yeah definitely <laughs> yeah definitely follow Donut on Instagram and Twitter for all those updates and fun fun gifts and jokes <laughs> at Donut Media uh, if you're listening to this in your car on uh, an audio app. If you don't know, we have a YouTube channel. It's called Donut Media. We put out a video just about every day. Soon it will be every day. That's called Donut Media. Um, Also, if you want to see what we look like doing this podcast, we have a whole channel dedicated to Donut Podcasts. Brand new. We'd really love you to stop by and, uh, and subscribe. Because it means a lot to us. It's the, one of the only ways that we can measure if we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. That's Donut Podcasts. Um, we'll put a link in the description down here. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at James Pumphrey. Follow Nolan on both at Nolan J. Sykes. Thank you. And follow Joe at Dark underscore Webinar. Uh, hey, guys. Guess what? I love you. Be kind. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.